Welcome to episode 12 of Take Your Points. Um, this week our special guest is Shane Mulholland, the former down player, and Cal Carvel is also with us as well. And this week we're going to talk about the county finals in Down and Tyrone. Um, Shane's going to talk about the piece he did in the Irish News this week, um, looking back on his career. Um, and also we're going to start with speaking to Cal about his piece in last week's paper, Fight or Flight, where he discusses drug abuse in the GAA. So Cahal, uh, in last week's paper you had a piece about uh, drugs in the GA, fight or fight it was called, um, and your point was that uh, the GA and the GPA really need to look at this issue because it's something that's seriously affecting players' health. What was it, was any springboard or reason why you took up that topic? In terms of all of the articles that I've done to date, I think this got the biggest reaction. Not only you know amongst people on Twitter, but I was getting messages from current county players, ex-county players, all, all saying the same thing, that this is the first time this has really been raised in terms of a, a GAA issue. Now, other people were saying you can't put all of life sills on the door of the GAA, and I completely agree with that. But some of the points that I did highlight in the piece in relation to what it says under the GPA's website about welfare, and they're talking about fundraisers and you know sponsorship of cars and things they like got there if someone has a, a dependency issue and they go on the GPA website and that's what's coming up how is that actually helping people and the GAA as um, an association is community-based it's grassroots and it should be for all people um, within the community and people who are having a, a, a tough time you know that's when the actual community gets around them and supports them and I was just when I actually researched the point there was that lack of support that I could see in terms of the literature coming out of both the GAA and the GPA. And like, make no bones about it, this is a major societal issue. I looked at the Pomeroy example, you know, where the parish priest is actually preaching from the sermon about the dangers of drugs in the community. And there's a litany of examples throughout um, this part of the world. We've talked about mental health, but surely you know people who are taking these recreational drugs and think it's absolutely fine you know the damage that's being done is real it's affecting our society it's affecting every GAA club in Ireland and I certainly think that the GAA and the GPA should be doing a lot more to try and combat this ill. Is it naive to think that the drugs issue would be taking people away from the GAA not for those who are in the GAA like people are more interested in doing drugs than actually playing football and f football should be helping them stay away from those illegal substances? Yeah, well, certainly I think in terms of the GEA and for me and a lot of um, people in my community, it has been a source of direction in terms of giving us a focus, you know, uh, um, learning or teaching us um, leadership and to work as a team, which has helped in terms of not only our performances on the field, but also in terms of our careers. And having that direction in your life can only be a good thing. And people who have maybe uh, gone away from uh, the GAA are more susceptible to the influences of the society, those darker sides of society. But there's, I think, two points in relation to it. One, that um, those people who maybe aren't as community-based and aren't playing um, sport regularly, they can fall foul of these nefarious um, elements of society. But also, too, there are issues in relation to inter-county um, teams, um, club teams, and people in those teams that are taking um, illegal substances on a recreational basis and some people develop a dependency out of that there. So it's not just about those who are no longer playing um, GAA, it's also about um, current members of the association and the damage that's being done to their health, to the community and to families as a result of this um, 
ill in society? It's a dependency issue. Or well, the main issue is the dependency part. Same as when you spoke about gambling and that players can get addicted and get drawn into these things. They think it's, e- think it's easy to do. You think it's, they can handle it. You know, because they're confident, they think they can take it on and deal with it. Oh, sure, I'm, I can stop at any time, but that's when they get caught. Shane, you are a club manager, you've been, you've been a player, you've been right through. What's your, what was your take on it whenever you read that piece? I mean, is it something that struck home with you? 100% agree with everything Cal said. Basically, my, my view would be it is a societal issue. It's broader than just a, a GA issue. But to that end, the GA is a real defining force in most communities. It is a place where people seek solace. It's a place where they get direction and guidance. And to be leading and showing an, an example to, to other sports and broader government, social services, etc. It would be fantastic for the GA to really step up and show the way on drugs and on mental health because they're clearly connected. So for me, it is disappointing given that research to, to look at those two key pillar um, elements within the GA, the GA and the GPA, and say, how are you leading the way? Because it has to be coming back. The GPA run surveys with their, with their playing community. They have to be getting that feedback from survey that people are... Um, there's a gambling problem, there's a drug problem, there's an alcohol problem. They have to be seen to be um, leading the way. And we're, we're not here to bash the GPA, but, but essentially I was involved way back when it launched. And, and we had at one of our first AGMs, we had Brendan Batson come over, who was one of the originators of the English PFA. And he talked about you know, what they had set up. And they had set up a number of channels for people to help them, you know, injuries and and post-playing career and how they dealt with that but gambling alcohol and and drugs they're just a huge part of our society and we have to be dealing with them and to turn a blind eye or to suggest that it isn't a GA problem it's not a GA problem but the GA can affect it by doing something about it by helping kids Um, I just don't imagine we're totally naive if we don't think that there isn't a number of players within each club that haven't partaken and aren't actually dependent on like that that has to be a reality of, of where we are today. And if we think otherwise, we're just being delusional. How do we deal with it though? Like, I mean, if you're gonna, you're gonna say to the players, like who's doing it, or do we just have to give them advice? So the or? players know. The players know who, who are taking drugs. The players will know, right? That's the first thing. Management's maybe not know. There's always that separation between the two. I know, I know as a player, I never took any because I was afraid to take it. I was afraid to take it, to have that, that negative aspect to it. Even that once off, you die. You know that, that scenario where you hear stories where that person took a tablet and died. I just thought, I let my parents down. I let myself down. I let my family and club down. So I never wanted to do that. But people do take it and they do experiment and some like it and some don't. And some are in the, the peer pressure element of we've all got to take it because we're going out tonight. And you're trying to say that that's not happening in a GA club because we could easily go over the fence and say, oh, it's happening in boxing, oh, it's happening in running, it's happening whatever. It's, it's a societal issue, so it's happening everywhere. But the GA need to lead the way on it and, and be seen to be that type of organisation because that's what we look to them for, for that kind of guidance. We can't just throw our hands up and say, oh, this isn't our problem. Let's look to, who are we going to look to storm it in this part of the world? Um, absolutely not. So I think Jarth Burns, who is running a presidential hopeful, you know, he showed leadership within not only his school but also in his club, Silverbridge uh, Harps, when he brought in Teresa Burke, who is a campaigner against um, the the ills of drug drugs in society. And they had a packed house in the hall. I don't know if you know the hall in Silverbridge, but it accommodates a huge amount of people. And it was packed out the door to hear 
her story and her message about her uh, young son, Keelan, who oh, unfortunately died as a result of um, a drug overdose at 22 years of age. You know, it's every parent's worst nightmare. But this is a reality which is on our doorstep today. And I think the first thing it has to be is the education, whether that's in schools, whether that's in our community, and whether that's in the GEA club. And, you know, in our um, club, you know, the, the focus of our community is our GEA club. We have hundreds of young kids and uh, in the club week in, week out and they are an audience and they can be influenced and getting that message through at an early stage you know can only help the situation ultimately people have their own choices to make in life and you know you, you can only educate and try and push them in the right direction but you can't force it upon someone but it has to start with education and are we doing enough as um, a community I don't think so as a government absolutely not and as a GAA, as an association, and GPA, there's so much more that we can be doing. And this isn't something that we need to wait two or three years down the line and push it on. The action has to be taken now. Mm -hmm. That's a fantastic action point. Just run workshops. Have, have work groups like that. Have parents or family members of kids that have taken it. Have kids that have taken it that struggle to get off it tell their story. That's what's most impactful. When you think of anything in your, in your, in your past, when you think of when someone it had dramatically impacted, says it to you, it, it, it's a jolt, it makes you think, I don't want to be that person. And like, I've, I have three teenagers and I'm, I'm thinking, when's the right time for them to know? Like, the sooner the better, you know, like to hear that story. Um, and sometimes not from a parent or an immediate family member, from someone else who tells the story, it's just a jolt. And so there's an action plan that could be rolled out across every club in Ireland. Um, and like waves on a beach, it doesn't just happen once, oh, we tick the box and we did it. It needs to be recurring. We need to go back again. Sticking with the point of education and young people in education, last week, you, Shane, you were in uh, Irish News. Uh, you did a feature on Saturday about your career. But, but one of the points that I, struck me was whenever you were younger, you were asked if you could play, play soccer and you chose to do your A-levels where maybe I was like, that's a very sensible thing to say, but the conclusion was that was a wrong decision. You said the whole piece was cathartic for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I went through a long period of, my, my intercounty career was actually very short. It was a bit of a fleeting sort of moment. It had a spike and then it, it went away. And I look back at that and I think, I should have had 13 years as an intercounty player. That, that's, that's what I should have had. And why did I not have that? And for a num number of years, I would have blamed other people. I blamed managers, I blamed coaches, I blamed everybody else but me. And where I've gotten to over a period of time was, no, actually, I was responsible for my actions. And so it was just interesting that the article presented an opportunity to sort of convey that. And it was a very public forum and a quite a wide readership. And, and so I've been a wee bit taken aback by the, the positive messages that have come to me on the back of the article where people thought, you're very honest. And, and it, you know, I didn't want it to be any other way. I would have been, again, to use that word delusional if I hadn't have been honest. And, you know, you hear the stories, oh, like we all know fellas that got trials. Like, so you hear everybody gets a trial. He had a trial somewhere. And actually I get a lot of slagging recently about it wasn't Glasgow Celtic, it was Lurgan Celtic, you know. <laughs> uh, and, and in local Inure, there's a Cleary Celtic or a Inure Celtic. And, you know, so I get a lot of slagging around those points. But it was, it was an opportunity in a moment that, um, that existed to, to do the article. And so the feedback has been, a couple of people have said to me, I've read that and I can see myself in that article, so I'm going to do something about it. And I just think that's brilliant if, if there's somebody in a, an early or later stage of their, of their, their career thinking, I need to maximise this, uh, then, then brilliant. I'm, I'm delighted to have done it then. It sort of goes back to what we were talking about, about young people 
needing to hear it from other young people. They need to hear stories, you know, whether it be to stick with a team or to, you know, stick with your school studies or not do drugs. They need to hear it from the lessons from other people. To, to I, I, fervent reader of sports autobiographies, just love reading other people's stories. Um, you know, how they grew up, what they did, what were the influences on their career, how did they react at different times. That's how we connect, is that it's not an abstract thing that you read in a book and it's theoretical, it's, it's based on a, on a person's experience. And you think, you think of all the quotes that adorn, you know, laptops or screensavers or walls in a room and all that sort of stuff. It's all based on things that people say that they've either experienced or lived and they say, this is what you should do or in my experience, you should do this. You can think of 10 inspirational quotes that have come from individuals. So it's like if somebody reads it and it makes a connection with that person, then brilliant because hopefully for the better, um, so if anything came out of it other than a bit of slagging, then um, people have said to me, how long ago was that? And uh, how did that come up again after so long? But you know, it's just nice to have somebody re reach out and say it struck a chord. Well, there's, it's, it's about perspective. You know, you maybe felt bad about how it ended up, but Andy Waters finished with it by saying like, he wished he could have had a minute of your career. Like there's people who, who loved what, did you, what you did. But Kyle, you have did pieces as well. We spoke about this in the show, about how you're struggling with that end of career and if you're going to stay on and the knee injury and everything. What's your take on that? You know, the, the, that need to keep on playing because you're, you'll miss it when it's gone. I suppose it, it came as uh, in stark reality to me um, only four weeks ago. I obviously had the Achilles injury, which I've documented um, previously, and I came back off the crutches out of the boot, and then I was basically teaching myself to walk again. And I wasn't able to go back with the team as yet because the leg wasn't just strong enough. But four weeks ago, and that, um, that was just about 11 weeks since I actually did the injury, I was having a, a difficult week in work and you know usually my outlet is always the GAA and the sport and going and seeing the boys and training and taking that trip up the road to Middlehound and as the guys would say my car can drive it on itself at this stage you know I've been doing it for that long but getting back to actually getting on the field and putting on a pair of boots I left training that night and I you'd swear I'd won the lotto I felt a million dollars came down the road and you know had been in bad form beforehand and I just felt great. I was able to run and do the rehab with the, the guys who were rehabbing it. And for my, you know, we were talking about mental health, for my, you know, my mind and, you know, getting back and playing, it, you know, it was brilliant. And I think that is the one of the key things in terms of us as a community, in terms of your club and where you're from, your identity, it all knits together. And coming towards the, the end of my career, and I'm under no illusions that this is going to go on forever, but I certainly want to play as long as I can. I have support from my family and friends to do that. This injury was potentially career-threatening, and I have worked really hard to get back, and the focus is on the, the 27th of October, the Ulster semi-final, and to have that feeling of running out on to, and it's in the athletic grounds against Loch Neal, massive day for our club, but running out with the boys you've played sport with since you're eight or nine, and not having that for the first time ever in the championship final when I, I was on the crutches, but having the chance to do that, you know, it will be a success whether we win the game or not, but that's a success for me. But we can't underestimate, 
you know, the great work and the fact that being in a GEA club, whether you play for the county, whether you play in the International Rules Series, whatever your, I suppose, mountaintop is, but the great work that our clubs do for young people and for us older um, generation, you know, can't be underestimated. And, you know, that's why I'm very, very proud to be a member of the, the GEA, to be a member of my club, because you know what we do and there's there's no other organization in the world like it what we do for the community and for the area we come from you know is unparalleled Shane I wanted to ask you about what you think of your club management career and management career because it's not just club obviously how is that compared to playing is it filling the gap or is it you just love it, being around the players or how it, do you it fills a gap but it doesn't compete with actually playing. There's just there's just no substitute for it, and it's only when it's gone you really look back and realise. And so that's that essence of that article is, don't miss the boat. Don't don't take it for granted. For me, for me, I, I did um, stupidly. Like no better person, Mickey Linden, who's still playing football, said to me, play for as long as you can. Okay, and I didn't. I mean, I quit playing at even at club level at about thirty because I took the senior team. So I was player manager for a year and then stopped playing to manage the senior team. Like, stupidly, do you know? Like, you're still a player, but I just find personally, I was very interested in, like, one of my mates calls it, like, the Friday Night Lights scenario. It's like, it's the Battle of Wills, it's the chess match. It's like setting a team up to beat another team, reacting during the game, making changes. They make a move, you make a move. I love that, That's that, I really get into that. Those couple of hours on the training field are a getaway from all worries and stresses to just get in that zone, work with a group of players, try and impart some knowledge, make them better. That's fantastic, but nothing beats stepping onto the field, kicking that score, making that block, making that catch, whatever. There's nothing that beats that. But it's a damn good close second to still be involved. In, in the last couple of years, I've gone from managing a Sigerson team to taking our under 12 team. One guy on social media was, was saying, I threw my hat in the ring for the down job, you know, and it's like, how can someone manage an under-14 team throw their hat? It's just as del- <laughs> it's crazy, like, you know? And I'm saying, no, it, it's just, even working with the kids is just brilliant because you can see the reaction and over the course of a year, you're wondering, are they listening? Is anything going in? And then you see little things happening and you think, actually, this is working. You're passing all stuff. I, I reflect on, on times, particularly in school, of things that PE teachers would have said that I now hear myself saying to kids. Like, it's just, it is such an impact on you. And I'm sure it's in a lot of different sports, but we have something special. And being part of the management setup um, is brilliant because you get a little sniff of, you're in that changing room. You're in there at halftime. We, 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 our club stayed up yesterday in Division One. Uh, we had a good win against Burn and a couple of results went our way and we managed to stay up against all the odds. Just that reaction, that, that sense of feeling. I don't think there's anything else that substitutes that emotion that you feel when you're involved in a sport or a game or a winning score or a match that you just, it's that sort of fist pump thing that, that it doesn't exist. Certainly, maybe, maybe it doesn't exist in my work and it does in others, but I certainly don't leave the office every day fist pumping, you know, it's, <laughs> but in sport you get that and you certainly get that in the GA. So management's been a close substitute, but nothing competes with actually playing. And just circling back on that um, to where we were at the start, talking about people who are taking recreational drugs and, you know, to try and get, you know, feel good about themselves. There's a prime example. When you play and you win, or even if you compete, you know, and express yourself and do the best you can do, there's that feeling going home that you have achieved something and nothing can compare to that. 
It's so true. Like GA isn't about winning. Like it's about participation. Like there's there's hundreds of clubs that never win anything, but they keep turning out. Like they just keep players keep on turning up because they want that feeling to put themselves against the guy next to them, like their guy opposite them. I spoke to a lad last night. I think this is his eighth year in a senior panel, and for one full year he never got on. For one full year he never got on. Now they were keeping him going because he, he quit about six years, you know, and he came back and quit and came back sort of thing. But this year he's made a bit of a breakthrough. He's played a couple of senior championship games for the first time, played a series of games. And I tell you, that, I bet you that's like a million pound to that guy. Just that sense of competing, being part of it, um, having taken the step in his, you know, in his sporting career. And, and that's just club level. And he, and he ain't, he'll, he'll not feel him disrespecting and he ain't going to play county football. This is his mountaintop. There's a million stories of different people who just, it's making the team, it's being a regular in the team, it's getting a small piece of it, it's kicking a score, it's making a block. It's, those are all little things that you go home at night and go, that felt brilliant, you know? And, and I suppose that, that is the drug <laughs> that we're, we're actually just thriving for, even after you finish playing. Before we lead into talking about the county finals that are on this weekend and the matches from last weekend, what, what did you think of Ballyholland's season this year? We've had a fantastic season. So we lost uh, Mr. Lost, lucky to get rid of Mr. Poocher, um, <laughs> after a six-year run with us. And he's such a big personality and such a big influence on the team and the club. And we had Justy Lynch, who was with him in his last year, step up along with a player, Damien McCrink, who uh, uh, damaged, had a cruciate ligament injury, and it was a natural step for him to, to go. But they've been brilliant. I only just parachuted in in a later stage of the year just as an extra set of eyeballs on a match day. It really has been my role. But um, we had the well-documented um, bit of a scuffle with uh, Dan Patrick last year, which made national headlines, unfortunately. But So we, we started the season where we wouldn't play each other. So you're four points down, in theory, before you start. So for us to have stayed up and avoid the relegation battle playoff, uh, we're very much in the relegation battle all year. But to do it with two games less than everybody else has been a fantastic year for us. We blooded about eight or nine of our minor team that won a championship last year, and that's been a brilliant thing for them to get that experience of Division One. We got the semi-final of a senior championship, only our third time ever, and the first time in a number of years. Unfortunately, that went horribly badly. Um, we went into that game with so much confidence, and maybe a little bit too much confidence, because Warren Point put on a serious performance that night. So that aside, that's the blip. But we finished with seven wins out of seven, so a brilliant year for us, brilliant for the players and brilliant for those two managers to put in the work that they've done. Now we're really happy with where we are at and our future looks very bright over the next two or three years if we can just stay in Division 1 and a bit like the, the Wally Graham's team that, that won four minors and we'll, we'll come to them, you know, they're now hopefully starting to see the fruition of a really good underage development plan and we're kind of, we've had that and we're in the midst of that. So our future looks quite bright if we can just stay in Division 1. And, and then the lottery is, can we get them through? Can we get those kids coming through in the numbers that we need them? Could you jump on to that? What did you think of that Slatineal result over Glen Cowell? Because that's a, it's a, it's a, it means something for you because Middletown plays Slatineal hurlers. Yeah, I don't want to say too much and give away all our uh, secrets for the 27th. But, um, you know, the point with uh, um, Glenn, they have had that success at the Ulster Club and brought that through. And, you know, I don't think it's being disrespectful to say that in Derry they have been seen as the chokers for quite a number of years. To take that step up and to do it in the style that they did, like when was the last time any team scored three goals against Slocknail? I, I don't remember. 
so they did really well. It can be, you know, double-edged sword for us. Slackneal can um, concentrate fully on the hurling for the 27th and prepare for that there. Or else they may see as, you know, that as a disappointment and it may be a bump in the road in terms of their preparation. I suppose we'll wait to see on the 27th. We'll look after ourselves. We know what they're about. They're, you know, they've been fantastic and they're, you know, a mean bunch of lads. Like, don't get me wrong, they know how to go to war and how to play um, both football and hurling. So we know what's ahead of us. And certainly from my perspective, to get back and even to get onto the field would be brilliant. But, um, you know, we as a club can't wait at being in Armagh as well. And we'll have a massive crowd co coming into that game. And with the Dunloy Ballycran game afterwards, it's going to be a real festival of hurling. So I'm looking forward to that but big respect to Glenn in terms of the result and they will be certainly looking at that final as this is something that we can take that step and you know they have brought those players through uh, and that's without Connor Glass as well you know so imagine the formidable force they would be if he was there um, but they'll be looking at to try and dominate in Derry like Slock Neil have done for the next five six seven years. Mm -hmm. The other games on at the weekend was the Cargan love Jerk. It seems like just Antrim want to make as much money as the championship as they can, like keep going drawing. Like, like yeah. the, the chairman won't even let them decide on free kicks. Well, I think, no games for them. <laughs> well, I think as I pointed out on Twitter for anyone who follows me, the second um, Portland shot was as wide as a, as a gate. So how the umpire saw that is going over, I don't know. But I think we might have to bring VAR in for those free kick competitions. But Again, it was a brilliant match and say what you want about uh, Antrim football and where the senior team um, is and you know they're trying to strive to, to be better and everything but at club level some of those games were absolutely brilliant and the game at the weekend you know Michael McCann's goal was worth the admission fee alone and for his brother to step up you know in those clutch we've discussed those, those clutch moments and to, to knock that which was a difficult free um, to knock it over at the end to get the draw um, you know everyone went away from that game in Corrigan Park thinking I'm looking forward to this, uh, to the next match, and you know I can't wait to get out there. And you know that's what we love as you know club players, as spectators, as coaches, as past players, etc. You want to be at that games, and you know I certainly think that it's it makes for a, a brilliant um, replay. And I know there'll be even bigger numbers at the the final again. Yeah, there's two two massive games this weekend: the throne final and the down final. Two huge for Ulster yeah, They're just massive, you know. Um, What's your thoughts, Shane, on this county final? Are you going to give me... So we've got this uniqueness of Warren Point coming back to a final. I think it's 41 years since their last final. A coming team in down and have been for two or three seasons burn the fruit of a really good crop of young players that have come through and they're kind of steeled by... Like a John, John Boyle, who plays for Newry City, is their rock. He is their talisman. He is their go-to. Um, they've... Um, couple of lads coming back from, um, had gone traveling and come back again and really just, they've, they've a really healthy squad of players. They blew us out of the water in the semi-final, serious pace in their team everywhere and a team of ball players, like most, if not all of their defenders are comfortable in possession. So it gives them a real good opportunity to attack from deep and with pace. Um, so they'll give Kilku a lot. The quandary is, Kilku will not be as open as we were and they'll be, their game management is second to none. I mean, this is their eighth final in a row, and what an achievement, no matter what grade it is, to get back eight years in a row. And a large crop of that players has played through that period, so there's a lot of experience there. 
expectation of the younger players coming in as well is that they're also winning underage titles now. So their expectation level is high coming in to that team that they're just going to um, assimilate with that. I think it's a game management thing. I think Warren Point possibly have more talent and are maybe a bit more dynamic than Kilku. Question is, will Warren Point turn up in the fashion that turned up against us? Will Kilku let them play? And I mean... You know, they're masters of slowing the game down, managing the game, keeping possession when they need to. Um, you know, they'll be happy with a 3-2 half-time score, that type of scenario. But equally, they have a burst in them that they can they can hit you for 1-2 or 2-2 and then manage that as well. So that's the quandary. That's the interesting part for certainly the down public and maybe the, the broader Ulster public is the novel pairing and can one point take the step to actually to win an Ulster title? Um Probably Kilku will go in as favourites because of, of just their history and their recent history and their know-how. And there's no small amount of talent in that team either. You know, Don't think they're as strong as they were three, four years ago. Um, a couple of injuries haven't helped them as well, but they're still there. They're probably there. Burn, Burn will be sore and not, not being there, but they're probably there in merit. They're the most consistent team in down all year. And despite Mickey Moore and Collins coming in and not knowing opposition teams, their own team, moving stuff around. They lost, a, we, we beat them in the league this year. Um, again, a bit of an experimental team. It looked as if they were trying things out, leading to a championship, and now they're on the, the cusp of winning it again. It was just a phenomenal achievement for Kilku. Can Warren Point bridge the gap and, and win that game? They have all the talent in the world to do so. Question mark if they'll be allowed to play, and secondly, whether they can mentally take that step. That's what's going to be interesting for us to see. Mm-hmm. And if uh, Kilku win and Glenn win, it means Mickey Moore would have to manage against Kilku in the Ulster Club Championship, which would be very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> very interesting yeah, indeed. Yeah. The other game on is Chilic Ergil. Um, Tyrone is one of the most incredible championships in Ulster because he never fails to get it it's crazy how competitive it is. Have you seen much of it, Kyle? Do you think, uh, you see, could you even guess which way it's going to go? To be honest with you, Trelec have done unbelievably well from where they have come from a number of years ago winning an intermediate championship to where they are now having, you know, taken that step in terms of winning a senior recently. And Liam Donnelly, is being spoken about, you know, maybe in hushed tones in Tyrone as the next man to take over from Mickey Hart or some people in Trillick are maybe calling for that to happen sooner rather than later and maybe we don't want to get into that conversation at this stage, well we might be here all night, but you look at that um, Trillick team and there's an abundance of talent there, you know, obviously the Donnellys and when you have Brennan, you know, putting up big scores as well at a club level and I think he, he has been missed certainly at the, and maybe he hasn't been able to take that step in terms of the the, the, the county team but the way Trillick play I think is set up for him, um, you know, there's exciting talents in terms of uh, Dara Canavan on the um, other side in the Argyle team and you know, the goal that the, was scored in the semi-final again, similar to, to my Michael McCann's, but he, you know, is a box of tricks and, you know, a, a player that people in Tron are getting really excited about. And then you have Hart as well, um, you know, who is the, the fulcrum of that team. And you stop him, you you stop Urgel from, from my point of view. It's, you know, a toss-up between the two. Personally, I think that Trillick are good enough and will get over the line this. Maybe a wee bit of know-how. Urgel um, have been playing very well throughout the league and they were tipped earlier on um, to actually to win the championship. But I think on the day that um, Trillick might have a wee bit 
um, more in terms of the experience and in terms of those uh, real game changer players and like Matty Donnelly can win a game on his own if he, if he if fancies it. So I'm going for Trillick in that um, uh, final and in terms of the down final I actually think that Warren Point are going to um, cause an upset and Darren O'Hanlon who has had a terrible time with injuries a massive leader, not only for Down, but also in that Kilku team and Keelan Doherty as well, who has been injured, put them players back into it. And I think, you know, that tips the balance in Kilku's favour, given their know-how to date. But doing it eight years on the bounce and given the legs in that one point team, I think that, you know, it's, it's going to be a new dawn in Down and um, it makes for a really interesting Ulster Championship and it'll be uh, one for the ages, potentially. I think we're nearly at the finish, Shane. Do you want to have a last word? Do you have you have you got to go either way on Trillick Argyll? How do you call it? I would have lent slightly towards Argyll, um, just with with the Peter Hart factor and um, and the baby Jesus um, <laughs> in terms of of being on the field. But again, it, it looks like that's a, a, a toss of a coin game, um, which it could well be. Don't don't count out a replay there again. Administrators love the replays, right? <laughs> Money on the draw, I think, is what we're saying. Yeah. Money on the draw. <laughs> yeah. Great. Thanks very much, Daz. Shane, thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. And thanks again, Cal, Thank you for all. joining us. Thank you. No problem.